Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. First down and a mile. Boykin this time under center. Play fake. Boykin steps up and he's going to lay one down the sideline. Cason Williams again. Reaches up. Fights for the ball. Does he do it a third time? He does. I love this game. He lit up our sideline. It was... Not because it was one or two, it was because it was four big, substantial plays. It feels good just to see it carry over. You know, that's what I've been waiting for the three years I've been trying to make this team, and it feels good to finally get them on tape and on film. I'm challenging everybody to do this. Challenge you to people for people to be uncomfortable. Everybody's in their comfort zone right now. Got you to become uncomfortable and go out and see what it's like out there in society right now. Well, the preseason is finally back, and so is the Game Plan Podcast. Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Judah Newby on 1029thegame.com. Perkins, what's up, man? We are back. Excited. It's been a minute. Uh, It's been a little while, but preseason's back, and uh, there's finally (laughs) stuff to talk about. Are you excited for preseason? Like, in all honesty. Yes. I know you watched the game last night. Was it fun? It was fun, right? I, I watched the first half. Yeah. The problem is you don't, you don't get emotionally invested in a preseason game usually. Like, I was cheering when the Seahawks made plays. The pick six was pretty cool. It was really cool, but it wasn't to the event. It wasn't to the extent of of a regular season game where you're like, right. every down matters. You know, I was on my phone. I was kind of messing. I was, like, cleaning up like, yeah. our house. You know, I was doing those types of things as well. Sunday night slowdown. Yeah, it wasn't like a typical game where, like, you're glued to the TV right. pretty much the entire time. I just remember the 2012 preseason when Russell... Like, that's my barometer now. That's my measuring stick for any preseason. Is it going to involve some guy from out of nowhere taking over a very important starting job? This just doesn't happen in preseason very often. Well, and, and, and you want to be a fan of a team where that doesn't happen, right? That's true. You want to be fan like, – like, when the Seahawks did that in 2012, they were coming off of a bad year. Uh, the defense looked pretty good. They looked like they needed a quarterback, though. And that's where the storyline obviously developed during the preseason – with where this franchise is now, you don't want to have a lot of question marks going into preseason. Yeah, maybe some depth. Um, you know, maybe a, a starting position here or there. Obviously, offensive line. Your secondary is a little bit in question um, yep. in a spot or two. So, yeah, there are some questions for sure. There always will be because there's so many players that need to play in, on the field and injuries. But with a major position like quarterback, I think we should be thankful right now as a Seahawks fan base that that's not a storyline going in. Absolutely. We're going to break this down a little bit. 48-17, the final. We'll also talk about Malik McDowell, the absence that he has, what is going on with him, who can possibly step up on the interior of that defensive line moving forward. And Perkins, on our way out, let's take a quick look again at the 16-game schedule. Just run through it really quick. What catches our eye? Kind of refamiliarize ourselves with what the dynamic of the season will be like week one through week 16. First of all, 48-17, you'll take that. A lot of that is second-teamers doing their thing. The first-team offense, first-team defense, each got about a series each. Chargers started with the ball. Kind of an interesting environment, obviously, being in Carson, California. 21,000 fans showed up, and it's got a 27,000 capacity. So kind of a small-town feel. But first-team defense... They give up a, a nice, healthy scoring drive to Phillip Rivers, Antonio Gates, and company. 13 plays, 75 yards, took over seven minutes, allowed three third-down conversions, and it finished with a five-yard <laughs> touchdown pass, Phillip Rivers to Antonio Gates. Ah, sounded a little bit familiar to that 2014 game, right? That yeah. Week 2 game when yeah. we went down there and the Chargers held the ball for like 40 minutes, it seemed like, and, and couldn't like get off the field. And 100 degrees. And a, <laughs> Gates had three touchdown catches, I'm pretty sure. Pretty reminiscent of that. It was, and and once again, you saw tight ends have a big impact on that opening drive, which was frustrating. Even though last year, Seattle really shored those things up quite a bit, 
you look at the previous season and you kind of still hear the ghosts of of 2015 there a little bit, don't you? A little bit. With tight ends. And Antonio Gates, you know, uh, looked really good on that open. He looked like he was 25 again, not yeah. 38 or he, however old he's he is. He's old, man. And, uh, no offense. It's, it's the first week of preseason. I think that there are some things you can take away from preseason games, but when it's the first drive of the first preseason game of the year, yeah. I'm not going to panic. Now, I think week three of the preseason is a pretty good indicator of where your team is going in um, in a lot of ways. Now, there's still a lot of holdout. Like, if a guy stubs his toe, he's not going to play in that game. Right. But I think at that point, if the defense it, you know, has a really poor showing in the first half of week three, then maybe you start to go, okay, what's going on with this team? But as of right now, uh, it was easy, and the defense did not look good. They had probably two to three good plays on that entire drive, including an Earl Thomas hit. Yeah, I'd love uh, to see that. That looked love great. To see that. It was good to see him back in form, and he was clearly pumped up after that play. Uh, so those are the little things, right, you're looking for in the opening yeah. drive. <laughs> Earl Thomas looking healthy. Shaquille Griffin, great coverage on that very same play. You're looking for guys that are coming off of injuries uh, you know, to look, you know, how do they look going into the season? And it's good to see Earl Thomas back, uh, you know, wreaking havoc in the secondary. Just remind you how important that injury was last year, that first week of December. Changed everything. Yeah. And, and how fragile the difference between the three seed and the two seed was last year was an Earl Thomas and Tyler Lockett injury away from, and, you know, a couple of Stephen Hauschka field goals away <laughs> from actually like being a two seed, being in the NFC title game, arguably. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard not to think that way, but you know, revisionist history in Atlanta deserved to win the NFC that year. Uh, Seahawks did give up a third and nine that, uh, the 15 yard pass to, uh, to Tyler Benjamin over the middle or Travis Benjamin, excuse me, over the middle stands out a little bit, but third and longs, you're going to have to get off the field on third and long in the regular season. But, you know, it feels like an issue for them too. You feel almost yeah, better about I, third I, and two I, than I, you do third I, and long. I know, but now I'm now I'm thinking. You know, am I over analyzing first drive of the preseason? <laughs> I think right? we are. I think we need to calm down a little bit. Uh, but they did not look good. Yeah, that first drive, but okay. that's okay. How about first team offense? They get the ball right after that. They go down the field. Russell Wilson looks pretty good. He completes each of his first three passes. Finishes three of four after uh, missing a second and seven. Gets a five yard rush on a third and seven. Sets up a Blair Walsh. 42-yard field goal. A couple of things on this drive, obviously, of note, but let's start with Russell Wilson. Uh, back to the short sleeves, which was uh, kind of, you know, back. I didn't even notice that. I, I, but... Dude, I'm all about aesthetics and uh, about how guys look. Because his rookie year, he was like short sleeves, right? Like nothing underneath. And then years two and three, you know, he went to the half, you know, sleeves down the arms. You know, now he looks back to his rookie style with the, you know, the short sleeve cutoff. That was my first impression. <laughs> Other than that, though. <laughs> Looked confident, looked obviously good, slimmed down a little bit, new diet. I'm expecting huge things out of this guy. I can't, I can't hold anything back now. Big yeah, I think, expectations. I think he said it's the lowest weight he's ever been yeah. uh, in his NFL career, at least. So that's, I mean, and, it, and it shows too. You can, you can tell just looking at him that he does look cut. Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, like he's definitely trimmed down a little bit. And on that scramble, while he didn't get the first down, the shoestring tackle on that uh, third and seven, I think it yeah. was, right? He gets five yards and he looked great. No hesitation. He even like stepped up in the pocket on that play too. Love that. Uh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, everything that was wrong with last year, where he was doing the backpedaling and he clearly was hesitant to run. And he, when he was running, it was it, it looked like he was lagging a little bit. Was gone on that scramble. So once again, you're looking for little things in preseason games. Looking for guys coming back from injury. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Is is Wilson is clearly 
healthy and ready to go. And not only is he healthy, but mentally he's clearly kind of moved on from last season and isn't really feeling, at least yet, hearing footsteps from defenders. I mean, mental strength is such a key aspect to life and especially to playing quarterback. And if there's anything that Russell does well, I feel like his mental strength is his biggest asset. Yeah. Um, and so that's great to see. Uh, Jermaine Effetti, let's talk about this offensive line just a little bit here, obviously. Um Looks like Luke Jokel is going to have himself a starting spot. Might be at guard, might be at tackle. We're not sure. But George Fan obviously getting a lot of run with the first team left tackle. It's a little cringeworthy, not going to lie, but we'll see how much real progress he's made. Uh, Britt anchoring it. Love to see that. Um, Abushi, right guard. Glowinski pushing him a little bit there at right guard too, yeah. which is nice to see. Yeah. Um, and then Effetti, and I, I mentioned him a bit ago. He's the leader probably for this right tackle spot right now. And I Look, Joey Bosa is no ordinary cat, but he did get beat a couple of times by Bosa, and if if he would have hold, held up there, maybe that drive, that first-team drive, the first drive of preseason ends up in, in the end zone. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, Afedi has a lot of growing to do, not physically. He's ready to go there. But <laughs> from a talent perspective... It's the hard-hitting analysis only here on the Game Plan Podcast. You know, from a talent perspective, he does have a ways to go. And and you look at the offensive line. Jokel, I thought, actually looked good last night. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I, I was I was very much happily surprised. I was that. surprised. Yeah, I would yeah. I would agree with that assessment. Um, is he going to be a first teamer brought this year? Probably not. Yeah. But he looked solid. And he looked comfortable where he was. Um, you know, so he and Britt, obviously having a left tackle that can be consistent is obviously so yeah. important in the NFL. So I was important. watching the Bears preseason. They got uh, Sal. I mean, yeah. we weren't too far removed from the Sal days. Yeah. If you got anything better than Sal, you're okay. Yeah, you're good no to go. No offense, but seriously. But he was really bad last year. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And the offensive line as a whole was bad. Uh, so uh, I think Afedi moving to the outside is a good thing. But, man, he has just cement in his feet sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little concerned, but... He's got a ways to go. He's got a ways to go. Let's put it that way. I think that it's fair to say in Fant, too. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear about, oh, they have great chemistry or whatever Pete Carroll was saying before the game. The the offensive line, let's not overreact here. They did not look terrible by any stretch. No, actually good uh, pass protection. Good pass protection. For the most part here. Yes, and they looked more consistent than Mm -hmm. they did last year. And once again, it's the first preseason game, so what do you take from it? But I, I do think that you have a guy in Jokel that seems to hopefully be a steady presence. On that line, and he got a holding penalty, so he's right. You know, he's he's uh, fitting really well with the Seahawks. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's a culture <laughs> thing. It's a philosophy thing. It is. Got to yeah. get that hold out of the way. Got to get that yellow. Um, a lot. <laughs> We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. Uh, Ethan Posich or Posick. The I, I'm never going to get that right all year. The second round pick out of LSU. We haven't talked about him yet, but he's he's either going to be a super sub or he's going to fit in nicely. Maybe some guy gets banged up, but I like. I like him. Yeah, I, I like him. I think he can be a consistent presence, and he can play anywhere too. Center, guard, tackle, whatever. He, yeah, he knows all the positions. Which for rookies, pretty impressive versatility. It is impressive, and it's it's important too. Yeah, you know, it's important to have a guy, especially when you lack so much depth on your offensive line. If you can have a guy that can come in and be a stopgap, even for a quarter or two, or a game or two, or whatever you need, that's going to be really big for this team. Because last year they didn't have that. Yeah, you know, if a guy goes down with injury, they're in trouble. Um, also, we got to mention the first drive of the game. Paul Richardson goes down with an injury. He has a first catch, makes a short gain out of it on the first play, and then ball down the left sideline. He dives for it, yeah. falls down right shoulder. It's a nice effort on his bangs part. Bangs up a little bit. Made the catch, which was nice, and uh, gets shoved out of bounds. But he's going to be out. And Pete Carroll said afterward, it's going to be an AC sprain. 
and then it's an actual real injury as opposed to he's banged up a little bit. We'll yeah. see if he can give it a go Friday against Minnesota or week three against Kansas City. Looks like it's going to be a little bit. This is disappointing because we see P. Rich when he's fully healthy, the athleticism that he possesses, ability to go get the ball, right, even to win one-on-one battles. I remember the Detroit wild card game, you know, and it's kind of coming out party. And yet there's this other side of him that's injury prone, Perk. And, Can't and, stay healthy. And it came to the point where we weren't surprised when he got hurt so early, though. It makes it tough. Yeah, your second catch of the season. He needs those shoulder pads that uh, they used to wear in like the eighties, like the huge ones. <laughs> That's what he needs. Yeah, yeah. Those huge shoulder pads. He just he's such a he's not not strong. Okay, so don't take it that way. But he has such a small frame that it feels like there's not you know if he falls directly on something, there's not a lot of uh, cushion to protect it. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly what happened in that play. And it's a bummer for sure because you know we we you and I were talking a little bit uh, before this about the receiving core and how it's looking pretty deep going into the year, right? Doug Baldwin's established himself. You have Jimmy Graham back. You have, uh, you have uh, coming back from injury. and yeah. then you have Paul Richardson and, you know, Jermaine curse who, you know, I give him a hard time, but he has a lot of NFL experience. And if he's your, your fifth guy, when you're talking, you know, a receiving option that you, you should be okay with that. But these, these smaller frame guys just can't seem to stay. And it's another thing with, with Lockett even that concerns me a little bit. You know, last year he battled a couple different injuries throughout the season, and then obviously the one that ended his year. Uh, that's something I think that is definitely a, a concern here moving forward. Well, Lock or uh, Richardson finishes with two catches for thirty yards. You mentioned an injury to him and Lockett and Baldwin in play. Who does that open the door for? Well, Casey Williams um, has his opportunity, and he seizes it. Perkins four catches for one hundred and nineteen yards for this guy. I wrote down on the show sheet a little bit. Hey, could this be the big frame receiver that might be able to, uh, you know, get get the Seahawks some catches on the outside? He's only six <laughs> one, but he's <laughs> but he's two hundred nineteen pounds, and he played pretty physical. Um, keep in mind, he's going up against an undrafted rookie that was playing in his first NFL experience. In, uh, in the Chargers cornerback that was trying to guard him there. So, take it with a grain of salt. Future uh, Hall of Famer, Casey Williams, that based being on the said, way he though, played. I mean, yeah, we know Casey Williams. He's been around this team for a few years, Perkins, and he took advantage of the chance that he got last night. Yeah, no, he did. I, you do, you, well, you know, but here's my thing. He, he him did, or curse? He, um, well, you, you're keeping curse because of the cap. I mean, if you, if you cut him, there's it's, essentially no point in cutting curse until next year. Right. Right. So you're keeping him, I think, just from an experience standpoint and a guy that's made huge catches, by the way, in his career. You want to talk about, like, all-time great Seahawks catches? Curse has probably three that are in the top five all-time. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that being said, th- there's a lot of competition at the receiver position right now. You know, you look at Lawler, Kaysen Williams. Lawler had a nice touchdown McAvoy. catch, too. Snagged it. There's, there's a lot of – he did, and he had a drop, too, I believe, mm-hmm. later in the game. But – I. I, it was great to see him take advantage. I just don't know how much. I mean, once again, it's a grain of salt situation. You know, I mean, how much can you even really take away from it? But it was cool to see him get out there and, and make a splash. Will he have an impact this year? I, you kind of hope he doesn't because that means there's a lot of injuries to some other key players on the team. Yeah, I just think of like, I mean, that Super Bowl 49, we think of uh, Chris Matthews and what he was able to do, like seriously out of nowhere. Like seriously out of nowhere, yeah. obviously. Um, I'd forgotten he was on the team. I know. Well, he he just came up before the playoffs pretty <laughs> yeah. much, working at Foot Locker most of the year, and yet he has a 100-yard game in the Super Bowl. That might be <laughs> the most crazy Super Bowl performance of all time. 
as far as unknown guy making the biggest impact in the yeah. game. Yeah, if he would have been a little more involved in the second half, I would agree, and if they would have won. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett. We'll see if they get in Friday against the Vikings. Second team defense. Dominate. <laughs> Four turnovers, including a pick six by Terrence Garvin. Michael Wilhoyt with a nice hit over the middle to create that opportunity. And a former Duck, Christian French. Two fumble recoveries, including damn near getting into the end zone. Yeah. Put him on the 53. And he had a sack, I believe. And he had a sack. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah, he did have a sack. <laughs> Former Duck, this guy uh, undrafted in 2016. The Seahawks brought him in for training camp. Um, didn't make it. Got hurt as well. Came back from mini camp this year. Just got signed again on Friday. Flies his butt down to L.A. Makes a few plays. What do you know? He's one of the storylines out of week one. Yeah, no, he 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 brought some electricity to the game. You really don't want to make any conclusions out of Week One preseason. I'm sorry, but what are you, you said, what, what are, are you expect? supposed to yeah. even say? Like, I, I'm just trying to be optimistic. I mean, you know me. I'm trying to be optimistic. But every year we be... fall into this damn trap of yeah. of preseason guy. You know, I thought it would be um, Carson, Chris Carson, I, and I liked I like Carson a lot. Look, we and we've talked off Troy about Carson. That's um, his name, right? Yeah, Troy Main Carson. Might as well anybody that has like you really attach yourself to, just name him Troy Main. That is the uh, that, that is the the keyword. Um, Chris Carson, awesome. Two two touchdowns, seven carries, nineteen yards. Uh, yards per rush ain't gonna be there, but it's because a couple of them were one yard touchdown runs. <laughs> yeah. Can't run much further where the ball's already on the one. Um, but Carson bowled over a couple guys too, showing that physicality. He's about two hundred forty pounds. He says, um, even though the website will only list him as two twenty, he says he's around around two forty. What would you think about this? Because Alex Collins did not play very well. Uh, six carries for nine yards for Collins and a touchdown, but he also dropped a pass on fourth down. What would you think about this running back rotation? Rawls, Lacey, Procise, Chris Carson. I'm done with that. Marcel Reese, too. That would be my running back rotation. Carson's better than Alex Collins. Would you be willing to part ways with the fifth-round pick from a year ago for a seventh-rounder this year after one preseason game? I say yes. <laughs> I'm all about that Chris Carson. Boy, short memory. Alex Collins played pretty well late last year. How well? When When needed. I mean, well enough. Well enough. <laughs> he wasn't breaking any records, but he he surprised a lot of people, including myself. I like Carson's story. I like the way he runs. He's I've seen his college tape on YouTube. This is like the the running back situation in Seattle is the backup quarterback situation in every other franchise. What? The guy, the backup is the favorite. Is like the fan favorite. We always want yes, as the fan base, we always want some unknown guy to come in and have an impact. I'm just saying Alex Collins needs it's to be on alert. One, man. Yeah, okay, that's fine. He needs fine. to be on alert. He didn't play that's well. Fine. He did not play well, and he dropped that pass. Yeah. But Just because you're a fifth rounder doesn't mean you automatically get to stay on the team. True. But it's it's week comp- one. Competition, baby. It's week one. Next week, you'll be changing your tune if Carson has a fumble and Collins has three touchdowns. I mean, oh, that's a great point, by the way, about Carson. Hasn't fumbled since Juco. Fumbled eight times as a sophomore in Juco. Didn't fumble at all his junior, senior years. And fumbled since. Which is big for the Seahawks. Which you know means them. Friday when he fumbles. Well, Ball possession is a huge, I mean, for every team it is, yeah. but especially for Seattle with the style that they play, you know, uh, eliminating turnovers is obviously a big deal. What do you think about Javon Boykin? 12 of 15? He's Four- clearly the backup, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, with, yeah definitely. I, though I, I will admit, I did not watch the game long enough to see Austin Davis play. Me I think either. I watched maybe three snaps of him. Right. But from what I saw from Boykin, he looked really comfortable out there. He's just so similar in the way he plays to Russell Wilson. That it, it's, it looks similar too. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just, I mean, he's just he's a good fit outside of bringing in 
an obvious backup, and I think you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who has a lot of experience, maybe even played in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco. Yeah, Joe, <laughs> elite Joe Flacco. Trevon's the guy. Trevon feels like the guy. If he can just get his head out of his ass and stop getting arrested. Right. You know, he, I mean, he would have a solid place in the NFL if he would just right. stop getting into trouble. Yeah, 12 of 15, 189 yards, a passing touchdown, also a rushing touchdown. Uh, Seahawk quarterbacks ran eight times for, I think it was 48 yards. And the rushing touchdown, by the way, was a, a good play. Yeah. It wasn't just a, a one-yard offensive line makes some room and he squeaks in. It was like four yards out. Mm-hmm. He had, he, you know, he made a couple defenders miss, you know, was able to kind of sneak his way into the end zone. It was a good play, too. Seattle racked up 458 yards of offense in this game. Chargers, uh, they don't have great depth, as opposed to Seattle. Pete Carroll and John Schneider have been talking about this preseason. They are impressed with the 1 through 90 depth that they have on this year's team. They, they're they calling it like the best 1 through 90 depth that they've ever had. Uh, well, if, if game I, one is any indication, I think that's right. a fair statement. They're right, according to this. Also, Blair Walsh, 42-yarder good, 29-yarder good, made all six of his extra points. I know some Seahawks fans were a little bit wary of Blair Walsh, given that, uh, you know, missing the field goal in the wild card game. It was it was all mental with him until he got cut by the Vikings. This is still a former first team All Pro. It felt a little bit like that that first field goal was so important, almost like you're watching it. And you're going, you're like, no, you're going, don't make this. this, make this. It's and it was like a long enough field goal that you're nervous, yeah. you know? Absolutely. How long was it? Forty four yards. Forty two. Forty two yards. I mean, that's long enough that if you're having you know some some mental issues as oh, a yeah. kicker, that you could easily <clears throat> shank that. He's a twenty seven yarder. He missed against us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where where where'd you watch that wild card game? Home. What'd you do after? I uh, what was your do you remember your reaction? Oh yeah, I, it's funny because I I normally watch Seahawks games with my dad. Uh huh. But he uh, he and my mom were out of town. Right. And so I was just watching it. I don't like watching games that I care about in crowds. I don't want to yeah. go to a bar. Same. I don't want to. No. I want to sit at home yep. and I want to stew in my anger or elation. Either way, usually yes. anger. Yes. Uh. So. W- I was super frustrated with the pass interference call on, I think it was Cam Chancellor, right? Yes. Um, on, to put basically put them in field goal position. I thought it was a weak call. And you know me, I'm not a big blame officials guy, but I was just, I was very annoyed with that call, especially at that point of the game. Right. And I remember just sitting there and, and I was, I just kept yelling, he missed it. Oh my God, he missed it. <laughs> Over that's and over again. That's like the same thing I was doing. I ran out of my living room. I'm like, he missed it. I can't believe he missed it. it yeah. I mean, that's that's oh, all. I man. mean, I, I was in shock, honestly. And the rest of the day, I was I kept thinking, I cannot believe that this team is moving on in the playoffs. Yeah. And then you go down 31 nothing, just like that. To Carolina, come back with 24 unanswered and lose. That I remember where I was weird, that game. That was, I, was I was in the same I was, spot. I was right here. Yeah. Oh. I was watching on this TV that we're looking at right now. <laughs> I was in this. I was at home, and that was an early game. It was like a. They were both 10 a.m. games. They were, okay, it was a 10 a.m. Yeah. game. So and it, it was Sunday. So my wife and I were sleeping, and I got up to watch the game. Mm-hmm. She comes downstairs at like 10:20, and yeah, like <laughs> they're down like 14 nothing. That was and and she's hell, like, man. "Wait, how long? Is, how long has this game been going on?" And I'm like. 10 GD minutes. <laughs> that was a weird playoff run. That yeah. was just that was a weird playoff run. Yeah, hopefully it won't be as weird this year. Yeah, hopefully not. Um second team defense, you had making some nice plays. Obviously, we're uh, happy about that with the four turnovers. Um got to mention about Shaquille Griffin. Pete Carroll said the experience for him was at least good. He didn't execute on a couple of the plays. They didn't have great coverage on the deep ball to um to uh Benjamin 
75 yard touchdown yeah. uh, pass from Kellen Clemens. Messed that up a little bit, but the overall experience for him was really good. I think we're going to get used to seeing Shaquille Griffin start at right cornerback this year, Perk. Yeah. And uh, they say the combination that he has of size and speed is might be unlike any other corner that they've had, which is impressive. That's good. It gives them some added depth as well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Lane can move back uh, potentially to the slot, right? Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think that's a good thing. I think he's more comfortable there. It's, it works out for everybody. There's opportunity for the interior of the defensive line to make an impact because Malik McDowell, not with the team right now. Um, Nazir Jones stepped up, four tackles, a couple tackles for loss. He's a rookie defense tackle. Great job by him. Um, Quentin Jefferson says he's going to show that he's a baller again this year. Um, he was a draft pick from last year, didn't get to play much, had a hand injury that he was working through. But McDowell's absence, though he was going to rush from inside and outside when healthy. Um, creates opportunities, especially on the inside, for pass rushers. Nazir Jones, the rookie fifth-rounder. Quentin Jefferson, the rook, the fifth-rounder from last year. It's going to be up to those two guys. Jones took his advantage in week one. That was good. Jefferson didn't play. He wasn't quite yet ready. We'll see if Jefferson plays. I'm interested to see interior pass rush who ends up standing out because in this day and age in the NFL, can't have enough pass rush. Yep. Can't have enough interior pass rush, too, because yep. you can have guys rushing from the outside, but you got to have pressure up the middle against these quarterbacks, right? You do so much, and and you even saw it last year with Seattle a little bit struggle uh, somewhat to get a pass rush yeah. at times, and it, it really impacted the game. With McDowell, I think at this point, what you're doing is hoping that he is able to get back on the field late half of the regular season. I mean, at this point, I think that that's what you're looking for, and I, I think that if he plays this year, it's a success. Just with the way that they, they're talking about the injury – it feels like it's something that is significant enough that they're going to exercise major caution with him. Yeah, for those yeah, and for those that don't know, two weeks before training camp, gets in an ATV accident in his home state of Michigan. Looked like there are some head injuries there, some concussions, no fractured skull. Pete Carroll could confirm that, but they're being very general with the other injuries that were uh, that were suffered. I'm um, looking up at seeing Brock Osweiler playing quarterback for the Browns. I'm still getting used to it, um, but. In all seriousness, it was is a pretty serious injury for Malik McDowell, and very unfortunate considering it's a non-football injury, right? And he's your first round pick. You've invested a lot of this guy. It's two weeks before, you know, you're playing football, and he's out on an ATV doing stuff. <laughs> I don't. You're like, angry. I don't like that. You're fired up. No, I mean it's a little irresponsible, and uh, it sucks that he got hurt. And now you're just in a position where you're the Seahawks, you can't even count on your fir- your first pick of the draft, like. Yeah, that sucks. Look, it was a boneheaded move. You know, there's no doubt. Now, I now I always just... have a hard time. You know, with with guy with you know people say like, oh, that, if you're an athlete, you shouldn't ski, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And I'm always just like, look, you got to live your life. But if I don't know if there was anything contractually either, you know, with him in terms of what he can and can't do, right? So I I, I don't know what what goes on there, but I, I think at this point it's over, it's done with. You know, I'm just glad he's okay more than anything. That's the most important thing. But I, I think that uh, if they get him back this year, it's a victory. Non-football injury list for him. So he uh, won't be available until at least week seven. Maybe he comes back sometime after that, but I wouldn't count on it. If he doesn't come back for week 11, then it's the rest of the season. You have to come back in sometime in between week seven and 11 off of that list to be able to be eligible to play at any point in the season. So looking at November or December for him. Um Michael Bennett, 
he sits down for the national anthem. I'm not surprised. He's actually been doing a lot with Colin Kaepernick this offseason. He's been very outspoken. And he is very engaged in the community. There is no doubt about that. I think my impression from it was his postgame comments were a lot about, hey, we need, he said, I'm challenging people to be uncomfortable. I'm challenging people to get involved and get engaged with their community. Like that was his main overall point was be involved in your community, engage the community with these issues. Even if it means being uncomfortable for you, do it. And so promoting community engagement, I won't, you know, I like that. I like promoting that as an idea. Absolutely. Even though on social media, gosh, you, you can never find support for these guys on social media for sitting down for the anthem. And yet, if yeah. you allow yourself to take a deep breath and think about it for a split second, have some rational thought for once in your life instead of just responding to something knee-jerk on social media, you'll realize that there's a reason these guys are saying the things that they're saying and get over it. Just Especially with the events this last weekend. Hear them, yeah. And, and then, I mean, I have to say too, you and I have been to a lot of games as media members. Yeah. Do you know how many fans are on their phones or messing around or not paying attention to the anthem or this or that? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's talk about a holier than thou attitude. Yeah. I just don't, I don't get why people get so offended about something like that that I don't even think should necessarily always be played at games. I, I think that it, I think when you play it as much as you do, it detracts from, it does. from how, yes. from what it means. Like if you play it on certain occasions, like the weekend of September 11th, um, you know, ne- nearing holidays, honoring military or, you know, days of independence or whatever. That's fine, but you do it at every game. Yeah, yeah. To me, it just det- to me it detracts the meaning of of something. It would be like, hey, you know, as a kid, you're like, I wish we had Christmas every day because right. you get presents every day. And then your parents go, well, it wouldn't be Christmas then, right? The sheer frequency of it detracts from its value, but at the same time, it's you know, you're playing in a great country that allows you to play. But so many countries Bro, don't do. I mean, it's very unique do to they? our country. Is that right? Yes, it it happens at the, all the national, all obviously with like national but like events. Champions but League won't play. Like, like they don't. It's not as common as it is in America. Interesting. So I, I just what whatever. It is what it is. To me, mm-hmm. it's a non-story. Um, so this is my first radio show. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's take a really quick look at the week one through sixteen schedule, Perkins. And what we can prepare ourselves for. Week one at Green Bay. Week two, home to San Francisco. Starting with those two real quick. At Green Bay, that's just going to be huge. Afternoon game on Fox. Aaron Rodgers, Eddie Lacy returning to Lambeau. Would you have it any other way? Our uh, our pod for that one's going to be crazy. Think of all the remember whens that we're going to have. The Seahawks Packer. Do they have history? The Seahawks Packer matchup, man. I mean, you could take any... Think of By the way, it goes back, back like even farther. 03. Yes. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Yes. 03 playoffs, 07 playoffs. Um, there was a regular season game in there so at some point. Monday night football game, I, I believe, it, uh, back in the Matt Hasselbeck days. Yeah. I can't remember what happened, but who was the, who was the running back that he had like— Amon Green back then? No, there. no, for the, for the Seahawks. Uh, Julius Thomas, was it back Julius then? Julius Jones? Julius Jones. Thank you, Julius Thomas. Julius Jones. I think he had like almost 200 yards rushing. That was rushing. against the Cowboys. That was against on a the Monday Cowboys. Nighter. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, my bad. No, no, no. I'm mixing up my I, Monday night games. I, I'm sure there were a few more, uh, you know, regular season games in there. That's too. the problem. There's so many that I can't even keep the, track of all of them. You know, you think of the <laughs> NFC title game in, in Seattle. You think of the Week Two Sunday night game in Green Bay, where they lost uh, 27-17, um, and that we should have won that game too. You know. Take any pick of game. Last year? (laughs) How about even the fact that Mike Holmgren came from Green Bay? Oh, yeah. (laughs) John John Schneider. Schneider. (laughs) 
unbelievable. I, it's, it's actually pretty incredible. Matt Hasselbeck himself. Yeah, it's actually pretty incredible. We get the ball, we're going to score, obviously, yep. uh, it's, which we brought up. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible that you have two teams that have formed. It feels like Green Bay and Carolina are Seattle's rivals. And I think this is the first time... This is the first time since what 2011 or 2010 that Seattle will not play Carolina. Yeah. Well, finally. Barring postseason. Well, barring the postseason, we'll see. But yeah, Carolina has always been on the schedule, whether it was division rotation or schedule. You know, or you falling in the same. You win your division. You win your, or your division. Second in your division. Um, yeah, it was crazy. So Green Bay, Carolina, the frequency <laughs> that we played those two teams in the regular and postseason has been. It's been weird. It's been really weird. I can't wait to face them again, though. But week one, what if you start out 0-1? You know, it's hard to win in Lambeau. That's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a really difficult game. Really, really That's tough really game. difficult. Their schedule, for the most part, is easy. And think of Kevin King, the rookie corner from <laughs> UW. That's from UW. That's yeah. playing for the Packers now. Going to be their number one corner. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah. It, I, I mean, you start out 0-1, you still have to look down the, the remaining, the next four weeks and go, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. looking okay. Home to the Niners. Kyle Shanahan bringing his squad to town. That's a win. That's a W. Yeah. Um, at Tennessee. Win. Okay. I'm Tennessee's going to win eight games this year. Okay. Well, actually, they might win 10 just because their division is terrible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they're not a good, I don't think that they're a, a, a quality team like Seattle is. I know it's a All road right. game and it's it's an afternoon game, which is good for Seattle. It is a late, yeah, late afternoon so for the. That's good. But I, Nashville. I, I would feel pretty confident saying that's a win. I'm all counted to win too, but you know, Mariota, you know, next I would say step. they only win by 22 or 23. Probably. Yeah, I would think it around 27, but okay, whatever. Okay. Nail biter. Yeah. Splitting hairs. First, uh, first day of October, Sunday night football against Indianapolis. That looks Is Andrew okay Luck going to play? Paper. I don't know if Luck will play. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be healthy. I don't think. I don't know if Colts it matters. Are very good. No. That's what I'm My saying. This schedule. My first thought just... on that is like, wow, that's going to be one of those primetime games that gets out of hand. Yeah. You know? I feel good about that. One where people don't end up watching the halftime show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at the LA Rams. No Jeff Fisher, so that's a win. You already know. I guess. First time playing Sean McVay. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'll count it as a win because of that. I hated playing Jeff Fisher. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. Playing Sean McVay? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to win that game. And, but, you know, the Rams just got uh, Sammy Watkins, too. Yeah, to go with Robert Woods. Because they did not have offensive weapons. So Woods, Watkins, Austin is still there making a bunch of money. Gurley. So we have them at four and one right now. Four and one going into the bye week. Do you think that's fair? I think I mean I I do think that's a fair expectation, yeah. Uh I mean they could if they win at Green Bay, I think that they will be undefeated going into the bye week for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know. Uh coming out of the bye. Here you go. At the New York Giants. Loss. I'm gonna say loss. Home to the Houston Texans. What do you think? Wait, wait. I'll uh, I'll say win coming out of the bye. They only have one 10 a.m. game this year, and it's in Jacksonville. It's incredible. I'm gonna say win coming out of the bye. Okay, fair enough. But uh, I think it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, home to Houston. I don't know that Houston's defense really really good. Who's their quarterback? Deshaun, probably Deshaun Watson, but you never know. Okay, Maybe win. It might be uh, it might be uh, Yates. Uh, it's definitely a win. I think for Deshaun me. Watson going to CenturyLink. First time, that would be difficult. Manziel actually played pretty good in his first time in CenturyLink. When? It, it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Home to the Redskins, that's a win for me too. Yep. Even though Kirk Cousins. Hashtag you like that. Good player. Um, you're coming after that Washington game, road Arizona Thursday night, NBC. Win. I'll Prime call, time. I'll call that a loss. I'll call the Giants a win. I'll okay. call the uh, the Cardinals. Fair enough. I think the Cardinals Fair enough. Win. 
really good. They are a good team. Then you get extra time to prepare after playing from a Thursday night. Then you play Monday night at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Love this matchup, man. I will never pick against the Seahawks primetime at home, though. I'll never pick against them. I know that they can play in close games, but they're going to win this one. I'm going to say loss. All right. So where do you – I have them now at uh, – Seven and two, I think. And I have them with three losses right now. Three losses right now? Because mm-hmm. the Giants and the Falcons, and I have the so I'm at six and Cardinals, three. and that's it. All right. At San Francisco is a win. Yep. Versus Philly. That's a really good one. Philly's got a crazy good defense. Yeah, Sunday year. Night Football in Seattle, though. Well, that's why I picked them against the Atlanta Falcons. That's Monday Night Football. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. <laughs> uh, we'll both call it a win. Great matchup there. Second straight year, Philly comes to Seattle, by the way. Yeah. At Jacksonville, 10 a.m. game. Win. I'm not worried about it. Versus the Rams, win. Cowboys on the road Christmas Eve. Zeke's back. Loss. I guess it's fair to call that a loss. Home to the Cardinals, week 17. I would call that a win, except... I would call it a win. Like, they... Hard Boy, I have Seattle going undefeated in the division. Yeah, I have too. them finishing twelve and four. Actually, I guess. no, I've got one loss at Arizona. I've got them twelve and four as well. It, to me, and I know these are high expectations. If you're not twelve and four, you're disappointed this year. I mean, I really They're think that's where they are. Ten and a half. Yeah, I know, and it's because of the way they played last year. But it's the to me, it's not even about. And I do think they're one of the top, you know, four teams in the NFC in general. You know what I mean? But it's about the schedule. Mm-hmm. The schedule lines up so well for them. One 10 a.m. game, and it's against Jacksonville. ton of primetime games, which Seattle historically plays well. You have to play the Falcons, and I know I called that a loss, but you know when you look at the schedule, they have, what, 11 days to get ready for that game right. after playing Thursday night? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like every game on that schedule is very winnable. Yeah, now, absolutely. We know they're not going to go 16-0, but, well, most likely. But I'm just saying you look at that schedule, and, and to me – 12 wins, a one or two seed in the conference needs to be the expectation this year. A lot of the harder games for me at Green Bay, that's week one. You get a lot of time to prepare. At the Giants, that's coming off a bye, a lot of time to prepare. Home to the Falcons, you get 11 days to prepare. Arizona Thursday night's obviously a tough one. Arizona Thursday night, short, but you're at least familiar with them, you know, and you're coming off back to back home games. Yeah, they know that stadium well. It's crazy. You don't have to go on the road. In two consecutive weeks all season long. You do get two straight road games, but there's a bye week in between. It's a great schedule, man. I got 12 and 4. For a first place schedule? That's crazy. I mean, it, things line up so well for them this year. Granted, that's how we think it lines up right now. And maybe a couple of these teams are crazy good. Well, and of course, and there's always one team in the NFL, right? Or one or two teams that yeah. win like 10 games that you had no idea would win. And I think that Tennessee could be that team this year. Yeah. But I don't think that's indicative of necessarily their improvement, more of their schedule as well. So we'll see. But I man, I gotta tell you, in barring major injury again, and I'm talking like quarterback level injury, this team should win twelve games. And as a fan base, I think you you're disappointed if they don't. I really do. That's that's my expectation. Twelve games. I'm I'm there with you, man. I'm definitely over on the ten and a half. Uh, it depends on the injury situation for sure. I think I agree. Obviously, with you there. that's a big deal. You know. but you know they're preaching about depth. They're preaching about all these things. But depth, health, consistency, protect offensive line. The offensive line plays. If they win twelve games, I think we're thrilled with the offensive line. I think that means that Rawls and Lacey are running the ball well, and I think it means Wilson's having an MVP caliber year. 
Mm-hmm. Well, maybe 13 wins would indicate that. 12 I, wins, he's having a good To me, 12, 12 wins means the Seahawks played a, a really good season. <laughs> Not uh, 13 wins, you're right. 13 wins, we're talking MVP conversations and best team in football uh, going into the playoffs, you know, all those things. Maybe first uh, seed in the NFC. We know what that's done for them in the past. All right, he's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. we got to get out of here. Nice long pod there, Perkins, for the first one of the season. We'll be back again Friday. Uh, reset some of the top storylines. Talk about the Vikings. Playing the Timberwolves, right? Oh, yeah, the Vikings. T-Wolves yeah, T-Wolves. Yeah. Jimmy uh, Butler coming to <laughs> coming to Seattle. Uh, Dalvin Cook, though, making, uh, making a name for himself. So we'll see what the Vikings bring on Friday, week two preseason. Perkins, it's good to be back, man. It's good to be back. Love it. Football. Football. Let's go. Football. We'll talk to you again Friday, everybody.